Hello, welcome to Stinker Madness. Uh, this is a podcast normally about bad movies by bad movie lovers for bad movie lovers. Instead, uh, right now it's just about uh, two guys who love bad movies not talking about bad movies. Because we're still in the moving, not movies episode series that uh, we've created while we fill in the gap between our existing recording studio and our future recording studio that we still haven't even found or bought or viewed, or looked at, or anything, because Jackie and I are still flat broke. Flat broke? Yep. Like, like, uh, what's her face? Creation. Like, I don't have any fucking money. (laughs) God, that's a a throwback from another time, man. Oh, man. (laughs) a long time ago. Go hard was... uh, Go hard will live with me forever. (laughs) Go hard. Okay, uh, so this week on the show, um, we're going to talk about uh, a movie, believe it or not, and one that possibly stinks that Sam watched, so we do have something related to that. Uh, I'm going to talk about some uh, TV and uh, bitch about some things, so let's uh, let's start out with uh, the TV show that I, I've watched, Sam, because you, you wanted this series to be focused on taking the time off from movies and watching television series, and the problem that we ran into that was that we live with Jackie's folks, and they like a very different style of television that we do. Uh, so our evenings are mostly spent watching the news, which uh, nobody wants to talk about, and uh, except for the that the Russians got their shit blown up today. That was pretty sweet. Um, and uh, uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, and nobody really wants to talk about those. Um, but I have been watching something, Sam. Oh, <clears throat> It's uh, it's called Winning Time, <laughs> not Showtime. Why isn't it called Showtime? <laughs> Winning it. Time is the Lakers yes, thing. It's the Lakers thing, the Adam McKay Lakers thing on uh, HBO. Um, I'll just I, I'll go ahead and say I love it. Um, I don't know if I love it because I grew up watching the Lakers. My dad was a huge Lakers fan. Uh, I lived through the entire Magic Kareem, James Worthy, Michael Cooper, Byron Scott, uh, uh, Pat Riley, all that shit. Um, But it's not called Showtime. It's called Winning Time. Even though it's based off a book called Showtime. Winning Time. Got to be one of the worst Worst. titles ever. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Winning Time. Eat shit. (laughs) I mean, even if you're Pat Riley... And you're like, okay, guys, huddle up, huddle up. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to have Magic Game bound it uh, to Kareem. Kareem's going to hook it over to Cooper. Cooper's going to fake the shot, pass it back to Magic, and Magic's going to behind the back it to Byron Scott, who just happens to be under the hoop. That's called winning time. I'd be like, guys, guys, I'm out. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> Trade me to the Bulls. <laughs> we're going to make a documentary about Larry Bird. We're calling it Going for the Two Points. <laughs> no, so apparently... Because it was originally called Showtime. Uh, Showtime soon? The, the the book was called Showtime. Uh, when HBO acquired the, the rights to it, they were like, well, we can't call it Showtime. That's our competitor's channel name. Showtime. People, the people will get confused. They'll be watching HBO and be like, wait, I'm watching Showtime? I don't even pay for Showtime. They'll, and we'll like the whole thing will come crashing down. P- the people will panic. There'll be like the streets of riots and uh, the, everything. It'll be LA 1992 all over yeah. again because p- 
people will think that they're watching Showtime, the TV channel, rather than Showtime, the TV show. That's how stupid those people are. The blood in the streets is up to our ankles. Right? Yeah. Just call it Showtime, guys. uh, Yeah. Self-censorship and the sort of people in the marketing rooms. Hey. Like, why not like the magic show or or the 80s Lakers would be a better title than winning time. Winning time sucks. Winning time. Winning time. Yeah. Uh, The show is great, though. Um, How is it it compared to Last Dance? Uh. Well, it's not a it's not it's not a doc, documentary. It's a oh. docudrama, right? It's Adam McKay, so it's a lot of Adam McKay business, which you know I still say is not for everyone. Uh, I'm now finally warming up enough after seeing three serious Adam McKay movies and this series of his editing style. I'm used to it, but if you're if you didn't watch Vice and didn't watch The Big Short, and didn't watch Don't Look Up, and this is your first experience with serious Adam McKay, uh, not comedy Adam McKay, the editing is definitely jarring, but that's his style, and I I appreciate it now. Um, So just go in knowing that. Now, I've seen reviews also that say, look, I'm not a basketball fan, but I love this show. I can't make that claim because I am very biased. Again, I was a huge Lakers fan in the 80s, uh, loved these guys, and there's a lot of nostalgia for me. So be mindful of that too. Is there a lot of basketball in it? No. Is there a lot of basketball-related business? Hell yeah. Winning time. Win. God damn it. <laughs> I'm still there. I'm still stuck on how stupid. Because I saw a, th- a thing for it, and I was like, why mm-hmm. is it called winning time? Winning time. I was I like, was there a... Is this Lakers before? Is this the before Lakers? The Chamberlain Lakers? What is what what is this? That's not the Showtime Lakers. Is it winning time? Why winning would you time. call it that? <laughs> yeah. Um so I got they're some, like, uh, we can't do that because we'll confuse people they think they're watching Showtime on HBO when right. they actually confused a person who knew about the Lakers. Which is what <laughs> they're probably not concerned with. Because I feel like whenever I say things like that. The real answer is, well, you're outside of the demographic. The demographic mm-hmm. is people who don't know shit about fuck. Is right. the demographic that everybody goes that that people who would say that's confusing and then be overly stupid and confusing, the people mm-hmm. that they're looking for are stupid. Yeah. yeah. Because they themselves um, are stupid. I don't know. It's it's a pretty highbrow show. Um Sure. It's just a I'm thinking guy- the show's great, probably, right? But I'm just saying the the person Wearing the tie or the lady yeah. in the pantsuit that decided yep. to rename right. it Winning Time is not a smart person. No, no, uh, they need to be sacked. Um, I do have some interesting asides for you, Sam, mm-hmm. about about Winning Time. Uh, as has been a running theme in Adam McKay's projects, the acting is phenomenal. Um, uh, uh, oh God, John C. Riley is Jerry Buss is. He's John C. Riley, right? Yeah. He can't do wrong. Uh, and then the um, the guy that plays Magic uh, is spectacular. Um, uh, Isaiah's, uh, I think is his name. Um, oh shit! I should uh, Quin- Quincy Isaiah, I, I believe is huh. what his name is. Um, he's a giant man. 
Yeah, Quincy Isaiah, uh, who ma- magic is a very different person. He's kind of on his own planet as far as his personality. Um, charming is uh, an, an insult because charming's not uh, good enough to describe magic. He's a very charismatic gentleman uh, and has very specific He's mannerisms. So charming, the AIDS won't kill him. Yeah, the AIDS won't kill him. Uh, uh, that, you're uh, going to boo me on that one? No, no. Right. Um, it's it's funny. <laughs> South Park said it was funny, so we're cool. Um, Plus, he's still alive inexplicably. And also, he never had AIDS. He's only ever had HIV. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he never got AIDS. Um, what the hell was I saying? Oh, so he's fantastic. His mannerisms and mirroring Magic Johnson is uh, incredible. But here's the thing. Two people... One of them that I hate and one of them that you hate are now like, oh, you too. Oh, you too. Look at you guys go. I hate Jason Clark, right? I hate oh, yeah. Jason I, Clark. I really like him. I despise him. him. <laughs> and he is fantastic as Jerry West. No role has ever been created more perfect for Jason Clark than Jerry West. He is spectacular. I love him. He I was, love him every time he's on screen in that show. He was really good in Zero Dark Thirty. He was playing yeah, kind of yeah. a... It was a very good role for him, too, because he was an unlikable person. But yeah, he and was, Jerry West is very unlikable. Yeah, he was he was fantastic in Zero Dark Thirty. But you kind of also like Jerry West because Jason, Isaac, or Jason Clark is doing such a great job. Second one, Sam, the one that you're cold on, Adrian Brody. Ah. Uh, yeah. Guess who he's playing? Who? Guess who he's playing? Take a guess. It's Adrian Brody. Who's he kind of look like? Not Bill Walton. <laughs> Not Robert Parrish. No, I don't know. <laughs> he's Pat Riley. That makes sense. It makes total sense, and he is excellent in it. They have Pat the Riley. same haircut. Like they in have the life. same haircut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so there you go. I Two guys that should be, like, ran over by buses on a normal day are like, no, you guys should probably get some awards for this crap because you're fantastic. And I guess I am cold on Adrian Brody. I, didn't, I don't really have a problem with him. I just thought that post The Pianist, he got mm-hmm. a hall pass for no matter how bad he mailed it in. And that ultimately... Wes Anderson does have one week project and it's the Darjeeling limited and he's not yeah. very good in it. All right. And also it's the writing was heavily influenced by it. I mean, it was co-written by Roman Coppola and he seemed like he got most of the sort of thematic influences. And I just don't identify with the problems of the super rich. Okay. Okay. No, me neither. No, I just, it's hard. It's hard to, well, I mean, I really like that, uh, uh, succession show on HBO as well because uh, they're kind of dicks and like I, I succession is a weird show it shouldn't work and it does what is that about uh, rich people okay really really rich what people did, like mega rich people did you do the queen with Jackie uh, like the queen the movie or the crown sorry oh the crown no no I didn't do the crown the crown is very good yeah um, I'm sure but and I think it's very good because 
two different people both came out with you didn't walk in walk out with what you walked in with you really at various points go no human being should have this much influence Mm -hmm. no human being should have this much influence yes even though uh, by all accounts she's doing the best that anyone would do Mm mm-hmm they also say things like one out of every two is a nut that fucks everything up. And you're like, no one person should have this much influence. If 50% of the time it doesn't work out great. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to circle back to winning time. Uh, you, you made, you've, you've reared around to my last point I want to make about the show uh, is that, and bear in mind, it's a docudrama. It's not a documentary, uh, you know, names and, Characters have been changed to protect the innocent and all that disclaimer and blah, 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 blah. Um, but the influence that what basically what this show is is saying in the grand scheme of things is like, you know, MTV had a lot to do with everything in the 80s, but the 80s were built by Jerry Buss and his vision of what the Lakers should be. Everything after stemmed from that la in the 80s was hot shit not the hot la shit. lakers but la in the 80s was hot shit well, and everything about la stemmed from what was happening at the forum almost everything okay 83 and 88 dodgers baby Oh yeah, and the Dodgers, right, right, right. But the but the idea of Showtime that we are going to put on a show that isn't just basketball, brought bringing in the Laker girls, you know, and you got the the sexy dancing because everything before that was the Green Bay Wisconsin cheerleader, Sam. Everything, the everything in sports was the Green Bay, uh, uh the Green Bay Wisconsin's is what I just yeah. said. The Green Bay Packers cheerleaders, uh, frumpy outfits, doing the. Go raw team. Let's Didn't do a leg kick. The Packers not have cheerleaders for a long time. I'm using it as a euphemism oh, for everything else. Up until, and I don't know if this is still the case, mm-hmm. but as long as Red Arbach lived, the Celtics did not have a dance team. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so what was coming out of the forum? Uh, they they put it this way as they're building this this franchise. Uh, Jerry Buss said he wanted Disneyland. He wanted uh, the Hollywood Bowl. He wanted the Playboy Mansion. And dang it, one other thing that's very L.A. that I'm blanking on all in one thing. And that's what the... the, So as far as influence, Jerry Buss defined an entire decade. That's pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, And as far as the accuracy, I did go back. There, There is one game that basically kind of gets played and it's their opening. Uh, I, w- I went back and watched that opening of the 79 season. And really the only thing that's different is like, it's almost shot for shot an exact replication of that game, except for the final shot in the TV show magic inbounds it to Kareem. That's not what happened in real life. Uh, it was Norm Nixon who inbounded it. That's the only difference. So I think he's doing a pretty good job as far as accuracy. So I'm going to take his word for it. Uh, I didn't know Jerry Buss personally in the 80s. I was a kid, uh, so I only got to see the Lakers on TV. But what I'm assuming is that this is who Jerry Buss actually was. 
Yeah. I hope um a drunk horny maniac played by John C. Riley. Is Jeannie Bus in this show? Uh yes. All right. Yep. 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 She's also great. Uh the actress that plays her, I do not know her name. Uh everybody's so great. I so Sam, it's required viewing for you. I won't take no for an answer. Once you guys get HBO, you got to do the Chernobyl. You got it. You got to do the Chernobyl. You got to do the Watchmen. And now you got to do Showtime. All right. It's called fine. Showtime. Well, it's called Showtime. It's going to be a while. I know. Because That's a lot of I shows said, you got to watch. Dodgers, baby. And they just started playing. So, like, until October, well, until they quit playing, see how far they go. That's kind That'll of what we watch on TV now is the Dodgers. That'll be perfect. Because then you're going to be warming up for b-ball. You're going to be like, you know what? I'm I'm sick of the baseball. I want to watch some b-ball. I'm going to watch this basketball show finally. Maybe. And then it's going to get you super pumped. And you're going to be like, uh, I want to see some Showtime. Who's who's doing Showtime? Because it ain't the Lakers this year, baby. <laughs> it sure is not. I mean, it is Showtime. It's just not winning time. You see Anthony Davis was like, I think what me and LeBron's doing is the right thing. And you just want to be like, dude. You have played virtually half of your career. Uh, You're always hurt. What's the right thing? Them not being on the team at the same time? Because they only played two games together in the last five months. That's what he was like. Oh, we have the right idea. If this could, you know, we're trying to build the right thing. It's going to be great. And it's like, he's 37 and you are made of glass. Yeah. You get hurt. Okay. It's your turn to get hurt this week. And then I'll play. And then when you're ready to come back, I'll get hurt. That's what that's the thing we're doing. And then yeah. we'll blame the whole thing on Russell Westbrook while yeah, he right. continues to get double doubles and triple doubles the entire fucking time. And he's like, guys, and the whole media is after Russell Westbrook. Like he's the fucking biggest pariah. And I'm like, watch him play. He's really good. He doesn't finish yeah, was, around the basket all that great, but he never did. Uh, he was striking pretty hard on the last Laker game that I watched, uh, which was earlier this week. It was their second to last game, and they lost against the Pelicans. Nice jobs. Uh, but Westbrook was striking at the hole pretty hard, so I don't know. He might be, you know, uh, LeBron didn't finish at the rim for the very well for the first, uh, I would say, eight years of his career, maybe ten. And mm-hmm. then he started to become a real strong finisher right around the time they won that. And it was odd because he had finally learned to finish at the basket. And when I say strong finisher, I'm talking about like Kyrie Irving, Michael Jordan. Like it's a, it's a shock to see them miss once they get to the rim. Right. LeBron was always, you know, going to finish 80% at the rim, but 80% at the rim is not really all that good. You're there. Mm-hmm. It should be mm-hmm. like ninety nine percent, and right, yeah. Once he got to that point, they it was odd they won because he made his free throws because that last shot that puts Golden State out of the uh, out of the game, he did not finish the rim, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he made the free throws. Uh, all right, so yeah, required viewing for Sam. Uh, the rest of you, I would say it's a do, but just bear in mind that if you're not used to Adam McKay's. Uh, directing and editing style it can be jarring go start 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 at the beginning go watch the big short you should watch that anyways you should watch vice anyways and you should watch uh don't look up anyways so just go in order uh but definitely do showtime because that's what i'm gonna call it uh sam i've got one other thing to interject before you get to your movie 
<clears throat> it's a weird note that I wrote because I wrote this script for this show when I was pretty drunk. Uh, I already had to delete some of it when I was <laughs> editing it today. <laughs> I had to skip some stuff like, no, that's crap. That's crap. Mm-hmm. Nope, we're not talking about that. That's crap. This one's on the fence, whether it's crap or not, but I want to weigh you in. We got giant ice cubes. Okay, what? The type of ice cubes that you go to a fancy bar and you're like, hey, can I get that on the rocks? Oh. And they give you one big ice cube. The round cube. ones? No, these are squares. Okay. Uh, because we're poor and we're, well, we're not poor, but we're we're making them in a freezer, not a machine. Oh. But it's a giant ice cube tray that Jackie got. Like giant, like huge ice cubes. I got one of the uh, ice trays for the round ones. It's rubber. Ooh, and it's got yeah, holes this one's in the top, too. Yeah. and then you just fill it up, and then you put it in there, and it can expand with it. It makes a nice round ice cube, and I feel rich when I drink out of it. And it was a dollar ninety nine at Albertsons. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're really cheap. I highly recommend them. But it's not just that it makes you feel fancy. They work better. They work better because of ther- the laws of thermodynamics, and that one you end up ice cube. One giant ice cube has more specific heat than four small ones. Yeah. Uh, you end up using a shit ton less ice. Your drink stays colder longer. Uh, I'll never go back. I will never go back. Now, I'll, you know, hey, I'm, I'm having some iced tea. I'm going to use the little uh, the thing that's on the front of your refrigerator. But if I'm making a cocktail, kaplunk, I'm putting the big ice cube in. I want to sing the praises of the round giant ice cube. However, I will uh, inform you all of the misfortune of my liver instead, is that once I started using the giant ice cube to have my cocktails, very shortly after that, I just started drinking the shit and eating. <laughs> all right. I don't, even, I don't even fucking bother with the ice anymore. <laughs> I don't have time for cold. <laughs> I, like, I, drink, I drink my scotch warm. I turned 40. All of a sudden, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to wear a mustache. Who needs ice? <laughs> Why bother? Why bother? This is fine. I only got so many years left. I don't have time for ice. This is fine right here. <laughs> I got to soak up as much as I can of the time I've got left. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, it sucks, but like when I decided to drink on a school night, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. I still need to go to bed. So if I'm going to get kind of half cocked, I should just have a couple glasses of this just without <laughs> anything in it. Oh, so it's it's like sleepy time medicine for you. It's like it's like uh, NyQuil kind of. Well, not really. No, it's just like I feel like having a cocktail. I'm going to I want to get I want to catch a mean buzz, mm-hmm. but I also want to go to bed. So I don't want to like fuck around with Bud Light and have to right. drink however many of them or whatever what I'm drinking tonight. Uh-huh. So I'm taking it easy. Michelob Ultra. I don't even know if this is really beer, but it tastes right. better than Bud Light, so I drink it. Uh huh. Um. No, if I want to catch a buzz, I'm just gonna drink wild turkey neat. Okay. All right. Have That's, a uh... couple like three fingers. Twice, maybe three times, and then I'm like, yeah, I don't need any more of that. I'm going to bed. I don't know if I'm there yet, to be honest. I, I, I'm i still liking the ice cubes pretty much, because for about the last two years, I have led every day, well, not every day, but pretty much every day, uh, led with some beers, like maybe two or three beers. 
I get pretty full. Yeah. Like, I can't drink any more beer, goddammit. I'm just too full. And my stomach hurts. Uh, and then I switch to the brandy. Uh, and that's what I drink until bedtime. So right at about eight o'clock, once I uh, once once the kiddo goes to bed, I switch to brandy. Now on the podcast, I'm not doing that because it it I, it's too much mess. It's too much. There's stuff everywhere yeah. that you got to do with it. So I just do the beers. Uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not quite there yet where I'm ready to give up on the ice cubes. I think it took me a, a full year to give up on the ice cubes, hmm. and I think there's also a correspondence of how often I have been working late over the last probably 18 months as well. So I have like a very small window of free time before I need to actually go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Moving on from giant ice cubes. Uh, they're a do from me. Um, Sam, you, uh, you want to talk about what you watched? So my $8 copy of Zack Snyder's Justice League arrived on Blu-ray. It doesn't fit on one Blu-ray because it's so long. <laughs> We're allegedly talking about a movie, but it was split into parts. It's a miniseries. Uh-huh. Uh, it was also per Zack Snyder's wishes because it was originally intended for IMAX. It's in four by three. Oh, my God. I just. That makes me sick. It. If, I don't know if I'd want to watch it. It doesn't make you sick. It does. <clears throat> it, it works, right? Um, no, it doesn't. Like if it works right, no, there's no evidence of that at well, all. Well, here's why I say, and I, I was a real snooty. Like, no, I want, I want the, I want the bars, I want the widescreen, I want it's more interesting to me. But especially in bad movies, because so many movies were shot in four by three that were DTV mm-hmm. because they're meant for TVs. Mm-hmm. That was their right. original format, and it's like the Andy Sedaris thing. I think it was Andy Sedaris. And having that conversation with Arlene, no, we shot them in four by three. Um, that I don't really care. I like wide. I like scope. I like two point four four to one. I think it's the mm-hmm. most interesting looking format. Okay, you can look around. There's more to see. The human attention visually is meant for four by three, which is why cameras were made four by three originally because that's when we when we focus that's kind of our immediate focal area i don't think everything needs to be in that focal area that's why i find scope more interesting because you get to look around it's like watching a tetanus match you can look at one side of it you can look at the other side you can watch the movie more than once and notice things when it's shot in scope because you can't actually pay attention to all of it at once and i enjoy that but if the movie was shot in four by three and that's in its intended aspect ratio i'm all in fine you shot it in four by three for imax you think this is the best version of it it's every piece that was originally recorded i'm fine with it in four by three by the end it's in four by three and it has six or eight parts therefore i think we are talking about a tv show okay do you think, I mean, like, was that his intent? Like, no, <laughs> it's too fucking long. When he made it four hours long, he worked for Warner. Warner's been pretty hard line that two and a half hours, if you break that, we're not going to let you put it in one of our blocks. 
other studios have allowed things like that. But Warner's been and Warner's also like one of the most nurturing systems for a director to come up in. They let you have X amount of mistakes before they, you know, do what they did to Zack Snyder. Hmm. <laughs> but um I oh, I want to say good things. I do. Um why? Why do you have to defend him? Why? Wait, what's in your like what do you owe Zack Snyder? You owe him nothing. Owe him anything and I don't owe this anything. I feel like uh Dawn of Justice got a bad rap, especially the three hour version is much better than the two and a half hour version. Have you seen what I'm talking about? The Zack Snyder cut? No. Okay. Fuck Zack Snyder. Did you see I'm done. And fuck also DC. I'm I'm done on that shit too. Other than Peacemaker, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I think it sucks for DC because Marvel totally just regurgitates their storylines for like 40 years. They do it better usually, even though I would say that the multiverse business up until House of M wasn't near as good as Flashpoint. Flashpoint was really good, Um, but it was similar ideas. But I really like Dawn of Justice. That longer cut. I really liked Ben Affleck because I thought he was the first person that ever really got Bruce Wayne. Everybody kind of had their own take on Batman, but nobody ever tried to be Bruce Wayne. And he actually Mm. was Bruce Wayne. I thought he was a good Batman, too. I would argue that his Batman was better than Michael Keaton's, but I would say Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne was better. In the first one. In the first one. I don't think so, uh, because Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne is just Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. Well, yeah, that's true. But is that not Bruce Wayne? Um, he He's able to mask who he is inside. Because, you know, Bruce Wayne is the mask, not the Batman. Uh, he's phony. He's fake. He's not real. He's too perfect. He's too charming. Um which is why, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Kim Basinger's character. God damn, why am I blanking on her character name? Probably alliterative. Probably. Gabby Gale. Uh, Vicky uh, Vale. Vicky Vale, thank you. It was alliterative. Hey. A literature uh, from last week's she episode. She is, like, she has no prompt. He doesn't say, hey, would you like some of this fine champagne? Also, I'm the Batman. I mean, oops, I didn't. I'm the the Batman. Is that a great looking butt over there? He doesn't do that. He gives her no prompt uh, to th- think that there's something more to Bruce Wayne than there actually is, other than the fact that he's too perfect. And she goes out and starts snooping around his history. Like, what's this guy's deal? How is he so perfect? Um, so I, I think Keen's Bruce Wayne is pretty good. Everybody else's Bruce Wayne sucks. Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is not good. Christian Bale I mean, is it, fine, a, but he's more Batman than, than Bruce well, Wayne. Well, and I actually had this conversation with Sandra because I've watched those Batman movies so many fucking times now. I think Christopher Nolan and Christian Bale's intent was that Bruce Wayne doesn't exist. Bruce Wayne died exist. when his parents yeah. got killed. Yeah. There is only Batman. Right. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, and I think there's, that works great. I really like those movies. And I've warmed well, there up is, to the but third you still one. have to put the mask on. You yeah. still have to put the mask on. And he does it. But he has the most... Uh, Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is the most facade of a human. It's actually Absolutely. a perfect facade of a human. So in that respect, 
Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne is fantastic because it accomplishes its mission perfectly. But if you're if you've read as much Batman as I have, there's something to Bruce Wayne, and I feel like Ben Affleck captured that perfectly. I don't know. I'm going to back up to Christian Bale here for a second. If you've got a vigilante that's beating up uh, basically poor people and, uh, uh, you know, hungry, the poor of Gotham, uh, you've got that vigilante out there and you're like, hey, who's Batman? Um, I don't know, but he's got a really custom car that probably costs a lot of money. And uh, this guy acts like Batman. Bruce Wayne, he acts like Batman. So maybe like it just seems like you you have to wear the mask. You can't just throw Bruce Wayne away, otherwise everybody's gonna know that you're the Batman. Yeah. So okay, that's my final statement about Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, I actually, and also in those movies, there is a lot of like people are always figuring out that he's Batman. Yeah. Whereas people are generally not always figuring out that he's Batman in in in. The detective comics character. Right. Uh, Except for like the 50 people that he keeps as part of his uh, cadre of teenage adventurers. Which is, again, (laughs) where that, um, and sure, it's the writing as much as it is him playing it. But Affleck's Bruce Wayne Mm -hmm. comes to you and is like, what are you doing here? Who are you? And he's like. I'm Batman. You're like, no, you're not. You're some guy. Well, I'm Bruce Wayne, but you know now that Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same guy. Uh, yeah. Also, I need your help. In uh, and that's what I loved in uh, Dawn of Justice. In Justice League, he the character becomes a Superman fanboy almost. Mm, it's like, yeah. okay, no. And there's a scene when they bring back Superman, it makes way more sense the way they do it and how mm-hmm. they do it. And Superman starts kicking the shit out of everybody, like more so probably than he should, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the sort of abilities that I think are only abilities that Aquaman has in the cinematic universe, because the. Fish fucking. No, that's what he has in normal <laughs> Aqu- Aquaman's like, okay, are you guys going to do anything in the ocean? No, we're not. I probably shouldn't come. Yeah, I'll, I'll be over here. <laughs> that was the joke in Peacemaker at the end was uh, that Peacemaker thinks that uh, Aquaman screws fish. He literally has sex with fish. And that, so when Jason Momoa shows up at the end of season one, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, he's like, hey, done f- fucking fishes. <laughs> Jason Momoa's like, I hate that fucking rumor. <laughs> it's pretty funny, yeah. actually. But yeah, in the Aquaman movie and in Justice League, Aquaman's easily as tough as Wonder Woman. Yeah, sure. And the super strength, I think, did happen in DC Comics for a while. Mm-hmm. There, Aquaman's had, had has been retconned about as much as everybody. But sure. the, the classic Aquaman is water skiing on dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not super strong. He's really formidable when he's in the water. And if he's not in the water, he's not very formidable. And I think this justice league has a point where uh Steppenwolf fights him in the water 
And he's just as formidable fighting him out of the water. And I was like, no, you got to give him something extra in home home turf, man. He is Superman in the water. That's the thing with Aquaman. It's like fighting Batman in the Batcave and Batman doesn't have an advantage or fighting Superman on the surface of the sun and Superman doesn't have an advantage. Yeah, that's fucking dumb. they did a scene where they come to a stalemate in the ocean with him and Steppenwolf and I'm like this is something you should have avoided entirely you should have given him an escape route like made him realize okay I can get my little thingy that I'm after here but mm-hmm. I gotta get the mm-hmm. fuck out of Dodge because right in the ocean this guy is gonna fuck me up yeah that's really dumb yeah okay also after this whole tussle of superheroes I'm kind of skip around the series because i don't think there's any way to reason to talk about it linearly um batman sort of never really goes hey i actually kicked that guy's ass Mm -hmm. pretty good not very long ago i mean he doesn't have any kryptonite so he himself can't fight him but his sort of like complete worship of Superman after he dies is really strange character wise to me. And I did not like it at all. I would have appreciated that. He's like, yeah, we are not tough enough to fight whatever we're up against without him. We need him. But Mm -hmm. again, in the comics, yeah, Steppenwolf did kill wonder woman at one point. Right. I have no idea. Uh, That just doesn't happen in the, in the um, movie or anything like that. But Wonder Woman should be able to beat Steppenwolf on her own. Just if you're a comic fan, you're like, okay, this guy's tough, but he's not. Dark Seed, Dark Side, Dark Seed, however you want to say it. It's spelled Seed, but I guess they pronounce it Dark Side, especially in the movie. Um, that That's the guy you need Superman for. And Superman is at a disadvantage if he's not within uh, eyeshot of the sun at that point. They do show Darkseid a couple of times. There is a point where you have, I think, Ares and Zeus end up kicking his ass and kicking him off Earth. And uh, then Steppenwolf's back and he's like, oh, I found this thing. And they're talking about like, oh, we've lost these things. We found these things. We've da 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 da. I'm like, but in this mini series that you've given me for $8, which I think is a fine price for it. Worth every penny, sort of. Uh, oh, wow. <clears throat> okay. If you're completionist. <laughs> he already knew where it was. You were there, dude. Are you mental, Phil? You were there. You were actually here. Did you forget where you were? Because that's the only explanation there. Or he was so injured or but no, they, there was spaceships. They have the course plotted like, oh, we're not going back there because the old gods are there. And they mentioned Steppenwolf mentioned something like when he's fighting Wonder Woman. He's like, oh, you have the blood of the old gods. Ironic. If you would have been with your people, you would have defeated me. But Sounds right like there's now, a lot of jabbering. Oh, there's a lot movie. of jabbering like in. um <laughs> Whatever, Captain in Civil War, Captain America three, when 
they tell Spider-Man that there's not usually this much talking and fighting. In a DC movie, there is usually that much talking and fighting. <laughs> okay, uh, or, or, or where are you at on it? Do or don't for everybody. Oh, let me keep tirading for a little bit. Oh, my God. This is going to be a four-hour podcast. Uh, did, did Zack Snyder put this podcast together? He may have. He did by <laughs> selling me a movie for $8 that doesn't fit on one blu-ray disc which is like 50 some odd gigs right uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna cancel him from the show uh. Zack snyder might be the new tom cruises hey which uh, last last thing before you finish up uh speaking of super long crap i learned today the top gun maverick they filmed more footage for top gun maverick than all three of the lord of the rings movies combined Top Gun. Did <laughs> did Bay shoot it? <laughs> I don't know who shot Top Gun Maverick. It's insane. That's an insane amount of it. It's at least 10 hours of, of hey, we got a 10-hour Top Gun movie. Who wants to watch it? Come on. Okay, go back to your Zack Snyder thing. No, now I'm interested in a 10-hour Top Gun. <laughs> I'm not, actually. I'm like, wow, that should be. I'm very not. We should burn that footage. <laughs> who had to edit that shit? That's awful. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is completely different usually when they're like oh it's totally different and you watch it and you're like well there's major differences but it's not totally different this is fucking totally different than the theatrical version i think there's like two scenes in fucking common they spent 200 fucking million dollars redoing it which is a lot which means that this movie probably costs like 500 million fucking dollars by the end of it right and for that money it's definitely not good. Um, yeah. Is it better than the theatric version? Yes. Astoundingly better. It doesn't take much. Mm. Um, half the YouTube videos I watch that people shoot on their cell phones are better than the Justice League that was in the theater because it was such a piece yeah. of shit. Right. And they cut corners like with um, on the theatric version where they basically had cyborg in it, but they wrote him into a situation where they didn't have to do his special effects. Whereas he's a more prominent character in this one. And he actually does stuff. Mm. Um, the Superman thing works out better. They revisit Eisenberg's disaster of Alex Luther, which for whatever reason on my revisits of just uh, Dawn of justice, I don't seem to hate him as much, and I should, but I don't. I'm like, okay, it's an interesting take on this character. I don't hate it as much. Um, They introduced, they introduce a bunch of things. Like Zack Snyder has openly given Warner Brothers a decision because of how Aquaman was a success, and they're going to continue on with that. They introduced Slade Wilson, so. Deadshot is now a thing, but they've introduced him as a Batman villain because I guess they don't have a Robin because they never decided to continue. You, you you talk like this. They've introduced and there's other things that are going to happen. There's not, Sam. That entire franchise is kaputzed. It, has. it doesn't exist anymore. It's but because they have the open lanes of Wonder Woman and aquaman that are part of that continuity what a hot fucking mess they've got going yeah 
Yeah. All right. I gotta. I gotta cut that's, you off. Do it. or don't. It's a hot mess. Um. I don't think you should do it. Uh, okay. unless you really, really like Superman movies, like I have all of them. I've got the Donner account. I've got the regular, I've got all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have the sixties shit, but <laughs> Hey man, you can go all the way back to the fifties. Oh, the movies. The- did they do movies in the fifties? No. Well, they did the serials. Yeah. The serials I mean, they were played in the theater, but, uh, I've seen some of them via riff tracks. They're pretty bad. They're bad. Um, Yeah. All right, uh, so there you go. Uh, Sam, we're going to wrap this up with a bit of a film story, even though it's not about a movie, but this mo- this story is just too crazy that I can't not tell it. So if you don't remember film stories, I'm going to tell a Sam, tell a Sam to my story. Uh, I'm going to tell a story to my Sam, and uh, he has no idea what it's about. 1997. Put yourself in this place, Sam. 1997, Lucerne, Switzerland, which I know is hard because neither of us really know anything about Switzerland. They're neutral. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, the army knives. They and have the skiing. Really tall hats for their ornamental military uniforms. I see. I didn't know that. That's a fun fact. All right. There's a security guard at an art museum, and he notices a painting is missing from the wall. Hey, that's weird. Uh, and a patron says to him, hey, I just saw a people cu- couple people walking out with a painting. So he runs outside, he spots their car, and he sees the painting in the back seat. So they stole the painting. They stole the painting. Clearly, it's in the back seat of their car. But I'm, I'm giving you pause because an ar- a, a security card at an art museum... Went outside and was like, hey, there's a painting and that painting is in the back of this car. That's not a thing, right? So the security guard said, oh, I saw that painting. It's in the back of that car. He did. It's a security guard that does this. Yes. So he's like, am I fired now? (laughs) Because I think that this is my job and I'm pretty sure I just didn't do it. Uh, I would like to know the casualties of security card jobs at the end of this story, because there should be lots of firings. Okay, so the pair, they're arrested, a a man and a lady, and they're brought before a judge. And the the dude, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, it was just, uh, it was just this thing, we're on a date, and I wanted to impress my girlfriend, and uh, I'll never do it again, I'm a first-timer, don't throw the book at me and the judge is like okay i won't throw the book at you uh and so he gives him a suspended sentence no jail time and the guy walks away okay you can't go into switzerland for like two more years he's banned from switzerland for like two years but it's europe you can go wherever you want right oh no switzerland i'm french he's a frenchman oh switzerland's not part of the eu uh they're not nope they're neutral okay okay yeah i guess that's true yeah huh how about that but No one knew that they had just let go of the single most prolific art thief in all of history. Okay, wait. A thief who would steal over 1.4 billion, billion with a B, dollars in art and antiques in just six years. That's incredible. 1.4 
four billion. The New York Times <sighs> has it estimated at one point nine. You know what that means? But Danny Ocean's got to get back on the horse. <laughs> There's going to be a, the Danny Ocean shout out here in a minute. Uh, all right. So this all started in 1994. Uh, this guy's name is uh, Stefan. And uh, forgive me if I butcher this. Stefan Breitweiser. Uh, this all started in 1994 when Stefan and his girlfriend, Anne Catherine Kleinkloss, saw a painting by Christian William Dietrich. And at a, at a, they're out on a date. They're out looking at, uh, at galleries of art galleries. She likes art. He likes art. They're like, oh, okay, let's go. You know, I, Jackie likes drinking. I like drinking. That's how we got together. These guys like art. It's healthy. Right? Sure. <laughs> so, so they're at our art gallery. They see this painting by Christian William Dietrich. Uh, and he, uh, uh, Stefan's like, I love this. I am in awe of this painting it's like the most beautiful thing i've ever seen i'm enamored and he's like hey um what do you think if i what do you think if i take it and she's like uh i think i love you bone me here now steal that then bone me do we bone first or because either way we need to do nasty things to each other someplace not allowed in Thomas like Crown Affair, there was just a bunch mm-hmm. of driving around, and I can't even remember if they screwed in either version. Yeah. Uh, did uh, Sean Connery screw Catherine Zeta-Jones in that? Uh, that wasn't that movie. The Thomas Crown Affair was... Um, no, no, no. I'm just saying that they screw in that movie. Entrapment? Yeah. I don't know. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> that passed before my eyes. <laughs> You never saw Entrapment? I did, and I don't remember one yeah. fucking thing about it other than Catherine Zeta-Jones' ass. Yeah, right. Um, wasn't J-Lo and Clooney in Out of a... Sight. I love that yeah. movie. Elmore isn't Leonard. That, uh, isn't that a thievery movie? Yeah, it's a... Uh, what's okay. his... Yeah, it's 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 an Elmore, it's an Elmore Leonard adaptation, and uh, what's-his-face did it? Same guy that did the Oceans movies. Uh, 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 Soderbergh, yeah. Yeah. I okay. love that movie. So, right. So so he, he she's like, yeah, get it. Uh so he pops it off he pops the frame off its anchors and they simply walk out the door with it. Just right on out. And this began a crime spree of 239 successful heists at 172 galleries in seven different countries. That's outrageous. Yeah. Now you're going to ask yourself how did he do it? Well, he didn't repel from the sides of buildings. No. He didn't twist through a grid of lasers. He didn't enlist a cadre of friendly thieves with unique skills. He didn't overbuild a muscle car and drive it off the roof of the Guggenheim. No, he simply walked up to the displays, gave an odd to Aunt Catherine to keep a lookout, then grabbed the painting and stuffed it in his jacket. And walked out. Yep. But, dear listener, what about the alarms? There weren't any. What about the security guards? Didn't see him. What about the locked cases? He'd unscrew it from its mounts. Security cameras? He'd use a telescopic radio antenna to push them away from his subject. Stefan targeted small galleries that didn't have robust security, went in during opening hours, and simply snatched and grabbed. He would wear disguises to hit the same museum multiple times in a single week. The balls on this guy. Yeah. Right? 
I mean, I've been to museums. I've been to places. You know, when you're in your mid-20s and you're a little cocky, you walk into places and you're like, hmm, you know, if I was to rob this place, how would I go about doing it? But you don't. Because you're like, I don't know shit about fuck. If I bet you if I touch that thing, alarms are going to go off and like machine guns are going to pop out and shoot me. You know? Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't have that. These little tiny galleries, nothing. They don't have anything. I'm going to back you up. Why the hell is it called a okay. snatch and grab? Because you snatch it and grab it. You've snatched it, which means you're grabbing it. You actually have to right? grab it to snatch it. it. should be a grab and snatch. What if you... What if you grab it with, like, one of those grabby cloth? It should be called a snatch and bail. Yeah, it should be a snatch, snatch and... Um, it should be a grab and go. Grab actually. and go. But I think grab yeah. and go is a thing. No, it's snatch and grab. Grab and go is what you do with your gogurt. <laughs> <laughs> when you love right. yogurt, but you don't have time for a spoon, just squirt it in your mouth. <laughs> Convenience at the cost of the environment. <laughs> so much yogurt at once. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah, Slim Jim's got nothing on gogurt. <laughs> Ooh! Yeah, it does. It's better. <laughs> what the fuck do I want with gogurt? I will take a Slim Jim right now. Uh, <laughs> Stefan stole so much that his collection was appraised by the New York Times, like I said, at $1.9 billion. Now, that's at the high end of all estimates. Usually, the number that gets floated around is $1.4 from more conservative outlets. Uh, so, Did he fence it's it? It's above a billion. Okay, well, you're going to find out. Okay, Because if you're uh, fencing it, you're, it, the actual, what he made off of it's probably less than half of the generous estimate. If it was valued... Estimate. If it was valued at $1.9 billion, like the New York Times said, that would have put Stefan in the top 250 richest people on the planet. But Stefan didn't buy mansions or yachts or Twitter or Morocco or Selma Hayek. No, Stefan was so broke, he and Aunt Catherine often borrowed money from Stefan's mother just for groceries and gas. Stefan worked as a waiter. Or in the kitchen as a general grunt, and Catherine was only slightly better off as she worked as a nurse. But with high rent in France, the pair just didn't have any money. In fact, the rent was so goddamn high, they lived with Stefan's mother so in an attic. They kept the paintings? Now you're probably thinking that this was because Stefan was no jackal or catwoman and didn't have such basic criminal necessities like a fence, and so couldn't sell his ill-gotten gains, and you'd be wrong. Not once did Stefan attempt to sell a single one of his paintings. Not one. Instead, Stefan used them to build his own art gallery in his bedroom, which was an attic in his mother's house. My God. (laughs) It was an art gallery for one. Stefan. My God. See... He loved art so much, he loved the art that he stole, that he didn't steal paintings based on their value. He stole the ones that spoke to him the most. The ones he wanted to look at and ponder over for hours. In his own weird way, the thefts were done out of respect for the art and the artists. I... 
Wow. It gets crazy. Okay. Buckle up. Now, because of this, Stefan, the most successful art thief in the history of the world, gave the police a nearly impossible case to solve. Because none of the pieces were ever put up for sale, there was no way for the coppers to track anything. The pieces just vanished from the world. As you might expect, and if I hadn't told you just a couple seconds ago how this all went down, you'd think that there must be a large-reaching, powerful art thief ring with untold resources moving the stolen goods on the black market to nefarious dictators, James Bond villains, and Elon Musk. And you'd be thinking the same way the police were. They were way off. But they have to be way off. I mean, he's just going to keep it in his mom's attic? Yep. So they had like the whole the whole thing, Sam, the big board, the cork boards with yeah. with freaking pins in the it thread. and like pictures of guy yeah, like linking everything together, pictures of of notorious mafia guys and like drug cartel people and like at no point did anybody say, you know, it's probably just a guy walking out of here and going to his mom's house. Well, you can't say that because it's preposterous. <laughs> Give me your badge and your gun, Gary. You're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Get in the line with these art dealer security guards. <laughs> You're fired, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So the cops were so off from catching Stefan that if he'd been happy with his billion-dollar-plus collection, he likely would have never been caught. But just like your mom at a Reno slot machine, Stefan just couldn't stop. His downfall came in 2001. Now, you remember that he'd been caught back in 1997 with little punishment. Well, when he was booked, he was fingerprinted. Okay, fine. I'll wear gloves from now on, said Stefan, after seeing OJ and Dan Marino's love for gloves. Yeah. And he went right on thieving. Wearing those gloves. Isotoners. Yeah. If the glove fits, you must... Give them Steel. to your line. Rembrandt's. Your offensive line. Your line. <laughs> protect the hands that protect you. <laughs> so he, he used the gloves on every job from then on, from 1997 on, except for one. Mm-hmm. And the item in question on that burglary wasn't even a painting. It was a fucking bugle. Okay. Why not? It was some, some antique bugle. Like a bugle. Cool, man. What the hell? In, you guessed it, Lucerne, Switzerland. Ah. So he opens up the display case with his bare-ass hands, nabs his stupid bugle and walks out, gets away with it, but his fingerprints are on the glass, right? Yeah. And in the town that the only other place he's ever gotten busted, ever. Not even the same country, the same damn city. What an idiot. Uh, Knowing he'd screwed up royally, Stefan and Catherine go back to the museum two days later to cover up. Uh, It was Catherine's job to erase the prints because if Stefan went anywhere near the glass, security guard would be like, hey, this is a guy. That's a a guy. Uh, But it was Aunt Catherine's job. So he goes there for moral support. He's like, hey, babe, I know you don't like doing any of this stuff on your own. Your job is usually look out. I'll be look out this time. You'll be safe. Just go up there with the napkin. Uh, You know, rub your butt up against the glass and get rid of my fingerprint. The security guard would be like, what are you doing? And you just say, I got an itch. And it'll be all good. Say, I'm putting it on the glass. 
Yeah, put them on the glass. That was around that same time, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Ma'am, this is a art museum. She's like, these titties are art. Did you see her butt? <laughs> it was so big. It's such art. Uh, so, uh, where am I at? Where am I at? Where am I at? Uh, Stefan was there to keep an eye out for her so he couldn't go near the art display. Uh, at the same time, the journalist Eric Eisner was out walking his dog on the museum grounds. Being a journalist and knowing how to read a newspaper, Eisner was aware of the theft of the bugle. So when he saw the coppers, uh, when he saw a man in the trench coat acting shifty, he alerted a security guard. Not just any security guard, but one who had seen Stefan at the museum during the day of the theft. He called the coppers and Stefan was arrested. In a fun aside, Eisner was given a lifetime supply of dog food by the city of Lucerne for what? this. <laughs> fuck? How many dogs does this guy have that he needs that? He probably doesn't even have a dog. <laughs> no, he was walking his oh, dog. That's, right, that's how yeah. he, why he was there. But still, the city of Lucerne just has a lifetime supply of dog food on hand. Like, oh, finally. <laughs> We've been waiting for this. <laughs> no, some asshole that some poor schmuck who owns his store gets saddled with this. That lives by that right. guy. They just keep the receipts. We'll figure it out later. Like I have to fucking give this guy as much dog food as he wants. Yeah, you have to do that now. The mayor no, said no. so. Did the did he uh, like prevent uh, a uh, like a detonation of the power plant or anything? No, he didn't do that. Did he take a bullet from the mayor? No, no, no. Uh, he he pointed at a guy. <laughs> also, the mayor isn't a king. He's like a fucking secretary yeah. of the town. <laughs> right. Uh, <coughs> all right. It's Switzerland. We're a weird place. I get it. <laughs> so he's done, right? He's he's gotten busted. Yeah. It's all over. Well, not quite. Well. All, all they had was Stefan, who foolishly attempted to try the same defense that had worked the first time. I'm sorry. It was a spur of the moment thing. and I, did, I was trying to impress a girl. And they're like, wait, hold on. Uh, we've got your... You did this before, you jackass. No. You're, we're throwing the book at you. But at the same time, the only thing he's admitted to was stealing a bugle. Yeah. Not all the other shit. So they got no, no idea about all the other shit. They think that they've just caught this guy who stole two things. The first time which he, he served his sentence for and this bugle. Uh, so they locked him up and, to, and it took an entire 19 days to get a search warrant of the mother's attic. Now he's screwed, right? Well, I'm nope. imagining that his girlfriend moved it or something. Uh, they went in, they found nothing. So, Aunt Catherine, she sees Stefan get nicked, and uh, she rushes back home and tells the one person who could help, dear old mummy. So, Mom's spent several days packing up her car and rushing to a rural area by the Rhone-Ron Canal, which is, I'm assuming, a canal that connects the Rhone to the Ron, uh, and, and next to a forest or some shit, to which she chucked all the heavy shit into, and then the other shit on fire. No. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Thanks, mom. So now after. It's so much worse if she does that for everybody. Like not doing anything is better. 
So now after destroying history, like she was a member of ISIS, the cops got no evidence linking the crime to Stefan, other than the circumstantial admission of the bugle theft. He didn't need Matlock to talk his way out of that confession. But about a week later, hikers spotted something glinting in the canal and alerted the authorities. Boom shakalaka, says Detective Clouseau, I assume. Mm-hmm. But they still got nothing. They don't know that this has anything to do with Stefan. It's just a bunch of art in a pond. No idea. Uh, so about 100 pieces were fished out of the canal and cataloged. So they recovered 100 pieces and were able to restore those 100 pieces. They lost about 60 that they still haven't found. <sighs> yep. So back in Switzerland, the detective assigned to the Bugle case got word of the hall back in France. So because he still has no links to anything past the Bugle for Stefan, he thought he'd do a little cop stuff on him. He showed a picture of one of the pieces to Stefan and asked if he had anything to say about it. Thinking that the cops had found the piece in his apartment, he thought the game was up because Stefan doesn't know anything that his mom's been doing this. He knows nothing. So he's like, oh, shit, you found that in my apartment. And he confesses. And then they show another one. And he's like, yeah. And then they show another one. He's like, oopsie, poopsie. And it goes on and on and on and on. He conf- like They show him hundreds of images of stolen art from all over Europe. And he's like, yeah, that was me. I did that one over there, too. <laughs> now, remember, the Swiss police had just thought that they caught a guy who stole a shitty trumpet. Mm-hmm. Now they had sitting before them the greatest art thief who ever lived. So, what? Okay, just keep going. Okay. Uh, Actually, I want to stop there. What an idiot. What an absolute moron. He could have walked out of that prison. A, where's your lawyer, bud? Where's your lawyer telling you to shut the fuck up? Shut the fuck up, Stefan. He says nothing. He walks out of there. Period. For the bugle, for everything. Because, I mean, they're like... They don't even have the bugle, Sam. He, they've they've got him, and the, the crime is him being in the same place on two different days. Yeah. It's the most circumstantial shit, and he's like, oh, yeah, I took it. Well, A, dumbass, don't say that. But B, once you already say that, you call your attorney, and he's like, no, you can't use that as an omission. He was doing that because you guys were coercing him. Do you even have, do you have the bugle? Did you find the bugle? It's It's the same as it, where's the body? Well, if there's no body, there's no crime. Yeah. I mean, he should have been able to get out of there immediately. And then nothing happens after that. And his mom doesn't destroy all of history. Right. And then he confesses over nothing. Like, oh, that's a pretty painting. What's up? Is all he had to say. Actually, he had to say nothing because his attorney should have been there in the first fucking place. If you're an art thief and the world's greatest art thief of all time and you don't know when you get nicked to call an attorney, you're also the dumbest art thief who's ever lived. Well, yeah, I don't think he even if he's if these are the circumstances, this is a person that is not a criminal mastermind. It's just somebody no. who likes to take stuff and uh-huh. they're just weird enough about it that they didn't get caught because they're so right. weird about it. And stupid. And it's stupid. It's stupid. There's a level There's of stupid. There's a level of stupid too. that's like people who are somewhat intelligent searching for this man can't find him because he's too dumb. Right. Right. Exactly. 
He's too dumb and weird. It is like <laughs> Inspector Clouseau or sort of Peter Sellers' <laughs> business. That was the other movie that came was being there with uh, Peter Sellers. Uh-huh. And uh, A right. Clockwork Orange was the third. Okay. So what did Stefan and Mother get for punishment? Well, three years for Stefan, and he was released after serving 26 months, while Mother got 18. 18 years? Months. There should yep. be, like, grand Shot arson or something. Crime? Shot into the sun crime. Like, like that's... Like, there's a crime, a level of crime that's so bad that's like, well, we're not going to kill you, but the sun's going to. Goodbye. You're now the security <laughs> guard of this art gallery. I didn't see anything. <laughs> Neither did the last eight people that worked here. <laughs> and Catherine was sentenced to six months for receiving stolen goods, but only spent one night in jail. After his time, and Catherine and Mum, they picked him up in a convertible. And drove him uh, to their next adventure while being subtly followed by Andy Garcia's goons, right? Right. Hey, there it is. Danny Ocean, he's showed up. Well, no. Prison did nothing for Stefan, as in 2011, he was to serve another three years after cops found another 30 stolen paintings in his house. Yeah, he's just on autopilot. Right? So then they picked him up in the convertible. Nope. In 2019, he was again busted for attempting to sell a paperweight on eBay he'd pilfered from a museum in St. Louis, next to my home. The police searched his house and found stolen Roman coins and buckets of cash worth $250,000. He's now awaiting trial. Good God. Well, here's the moral of the story. (laughs) Ultimately, nobody gives a shit about art. Um, Okay. What makes you say that? Because of the fact that he just, they're not doing anything about it, and he gets to keep going. I don't think the man does. I'm pretty sure the people whose shit got burnt are pretty upset upset. about things. Yeah. But they're art people, so it's not like they're going to grab their paintbrushes and, let's storm the Capitol. You know, nobody gives a shit about them. Right. But they give a shit about the art. Yep. Sort of. Just can't do anything about they it. They can't. Yeah. They're like, um, I've got a chisel. Ooh. <laughs> okay, get- maybe put the chisel down. Let's stick with the paintbrushes. We're our artists after all. I guess it also <laughs> speaks to the idea of perceived value. One, I, I mean, if you steal $1.4 billion or $1.9 billion of anything, mm-hmm. you're up right. shit creek without a paddle. This time, not so much. It was just art. It was just art. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, man. Um, Like, those, I guess the museums can file insurance claims and stuff for their losses, but uh, yeah, only 26 months for all that. The greatest art thief in history. Nobody's stolen that much. No. Those guys that did the diamond heist like six years ago, they only made like $20 million. Like, that was a big heist. Like they had the whole Danny Ocean shit yeah. going on, and they got twenty million. This guy had one point four billion. It's insane. I don't even know it. <laughs> it it's like it's hard. It's hard to fathom how insane 
that story is. And that it was all just upstairs in an attic, like probably like thumbtacked to the wall, right? Because he's poor. It's not like he would. No, actually, I did hear that he went to to, to a guy, a local guy uh, who was a framer who framed some stuff, which you would think, well, hey, um, like, why are you framing this painting that has been taken off of, like, there's damage to it from you pulling it out of its existing frame so you could steal it. Uh, no, the guy was like, oh, I'm oblivious. Doop, doop, doop. Here's your new painting. Durr. Well, he's the guy who ordered the frame store. You just take their money, frame it, and give it to him back. Yeah. You got to do it 78 times a day. Right. What's in there? I don't know. I just frame the shit. Yeah. I got to frame yeah. X amount to stay open. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I want to, like, say, oh, you should care, but, like. I got to make X amount of signs every day. Somebody's like, well, mm-hmm. they wanted that? I'm like, yeah, this is what they wanted. You didn't try to talk them into something else? I did. They didn't go for it. We're making this. I'm done. Yeah. I, I'm out. Like, yep. White on yellow. That's what they asked for. Can't read it. <laughs> I know it's wrong. I tried. I tried twice, and I said, fine. Here is your it sign. Makes me- that is bright yellow that has white lettering on it. No one will be able to read it, and it will hurt most people's eyes. (laughs) (laughs) This is a moral outrage, but I gotta make the signs. Get them out of here. I have education in design. This is the framer. I'm actually an accomplished designer, and this breaks every rule, not in a good way. And I've tried to help you, and you won't take no for an answer, so here's your piece of shit. So the moral of the story is, is I should actually call the police on you because you're like the framer guy. Maybe you're doing. You can't the frame sw- the I'll, framer. I'm calling, I'm calling, <laughs> I call it the Swiss police. I'm cracking. I'm cracking the biggest sign heist of all time. I just, it's what? What are they going to get me on? Making a piece That's of wrong. crap. I tried you're to make a, a piece butter. of crap. <laughs> okay uh there you go stefan uh breitweiser uh if you want to learn more uh our source from that was the youtube channel thoughty2 uh the guy also did write a book a biography in 2006 called uh i believe it translates to confessions of an art thief uh so you might want to check that out too but at the same Wait, time the guy that stole the he's art in jail wrote a book yeah so he's yeah. not that dumb he wrote a book uh, I don't know. I didn't read it. Could be crap. Or somebody else wrote it for him. Could just be dar dar dar. I do crime. <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, okay, about as good as that ending. <laughs> All right. So <coughs> uh, we will get back to you guys next week. Uh, and hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope my audio sounds better for once. Uh, so we'll. Say, get to the chopper. <laughs>